Welcome to the Western Revolution Show, a show for men and the people who love them, where we discuss how men can find and embrace the healthiest versions of themselves. I am your host, <laughs> Dr. Charles Corfrew. What's good, everybody? It's Wednesday, as you know, and we're talking about revolution today, but revolution not in the sense of bloody bloody riots in the street, man. We talk about revolution, about personal and global revolution, how you can actually find and embrace the best version of yourself. And we spent the last couple of weeks talking to a number of dear brothers who are doing amazing work around the country. Last week, we talked to Will Mega, who helped Lowe's change their policy about, you know, actually asking for your receipt. You know what I'm saying? Asking for your receipt as you go out the door. This brother's doing great things. We know Philadelphia is uh, going through some amazing times, transformations as people are standing up and rising up and saying that, you know what, this is not going to happen in our communities. And so we too often do not hear the stories of the people from our own community. And mm -hmm. so I want to make sure that our voices of men who are doing critical things for our community and for the people of the community of New Orleans are actually being heard. And so when I thought about that, to make sure that we have this local involvement, I was like, who are the superstar people in our in our community, right? And actually, you know, I was like, well, who do I like? <laughs> who like, who do I actually like and want to talk to? You know what I'm saying? I'd rather be on that list. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? Let me call my man Dennis McNaris. You know what I'm saying? Dennis McNaris is a New Orleanian himself, and he's going to tell a story. But he is also the executive director of Liberties. Kitchen, <laughs> not Liberty Kitchen. That's right, that's right, Liberty. <laughs> Liberty's Kitchen, I'll let him tell the story about Liberty's Kitchen, but I just need to speak a moment about its founder, Janet Davis, who is a good, good friend of mine, a mentor. She is the founder of Liberty's Kitchen, uh, a wonderful organization that Dennis will talk about, but I just want to talk about Janet for one second. This wonderful woman, you know, who said that I've got a revolution. I want to make sure that our community has spaces for our children to be able to develop and grow. And she built an organization. My good friend Dave Edman, 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 Edman. <laughs> That's a Kellogg joke. Edman uh, was the executive director after after her. And then they said, you know what? We need to make sure that when Janet and David left, that it was in good hands. And so they left it to you, Brother Dennis Bagneris. How you doing? I'm doing good, Charles. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. All right. You guys see, you know, if Rachel was here, it would be like the melodic sounds of <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, we're gonna have a good time today. We're talking about everybody's on Facebook Live, what's going on. You know what I'm gonna ask you, right? Go ahead. What's your revolution? For me, my revolution, brother, is to is to create space for uh the young generation, the generation that's coming behind me. Um for me it's it's been um and in the work that for Liberty's Kitchen it's really about getting out of the way. What does empowerment really look like? And, and, and this whole idea of uh, gatekeeping being more of a, a hindrance to this work than it is a help. Uh, what I mean when I say that is, is for me, it's about I've, I've come up in a generation. Uh, my father, my mother, both my grandmothers, my family, they've all been taught this idea that, you know, your purpose in life is to get as much knowledge and, and offer as much space and support others around you to the point where once you feel like, you know, you can sit back and say, it's not who I am or what I've done, but the space I've created for so many others, that really is kind of like the testament to who you are as, a, as an individual, your character. Right. So for us, for me personally, it's, it's really like how do I incorporate that entire upbringing uh, into the work and how I lead this organization going into hopefully its next 10 years, Liberty Kitchen celebrating 10 years of existence. My focus is on what is how is my revolution personally going to inform the work that Liberty Kitchen is doing for the next 10 years. And it's understanding that my role is to create space for more young people, particularly people in New Orleans of color, uh, who have been disenfranchised, who have not been given a fair shake by different systems of society. Um, how do I make space for them to, to, to find equity, find uh, value? And, and find their own revolutions. That's that's my revolution. Right, brother. You know, and, and that's to make sure, like you said, to make sure that Liberty's Kitchen has the ability to f function and serve the community exactly. for its longevity. We won't just, we're not looking for 10 years. No, no, no. No. We're looking for longevity. Yes. Exactly. So tell us a little bit about Liberty's Kitchen. What is it? So for most people, uh, I usually start this uh, discussion by saying well, Liberty's Kitchen is not, and Liberty's Kitchen is not a cooking school. Uh, oh, okay. A lot of people think that that's exactly what we do. Like uh, we're in the mode of uh, just taking young people off the streets and training them up to be young chefs or dishwashers, and we get them jobs in restaurants, right? 
uh, when the truth of the matter is what Liberty's Kitchen actually is, is a place for young people to come and feel valued, for them to understand how to create career development opportunities for themselves, how to begin to envision entrepreneurial opportunities mm-hmm. for themselves, and then also how do they how do they recognize their their uh, value and their opportunity to be part of this movement for uh, access to healthy foods in communities where they need it most. Right. And that's the interesting thing because I think that people think that when we, when we think of Liberty's Kitchen, we think that, you know, you're training a restaurant. You're training people to cook. Right? Exactly. You're training, you're training life skills. Exactly. Right, right. Yes. And, and as you said, that entrepreneurial spirit. And we, and we think about it's 2018. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneur is sexy these days. Exactly. Yeah, it's sexy. But and – Right. Being an entrepreneur is tough. Yes, it it is tough, you know, and you have to learn. That's one thing. You have to be able to be the CFO, the CEO, the CEO. Right. All right. The person on the line, everything. You got to know how. So if I'm walking to Liberty's Kitchen, I say to you, you know what? I'm trying to figure this out. What's the next step for me? If you're coming and you're trying to figure it out, like if you want to be involved or you want to take advantage of the opportunity to be a family member of Liberty's Kitchen. Uh, it starts really easily. I mean, it's, it's just it begins with like anything that has any value—a conversation, right? Right. Build that relationship. Openness. Yeah. Uh, for so many of our young people, it's like communication is the key. For everybody who comes into our space, they they want that money. You know, when they come in, they want that money because for them, when you take a step back and get a chance to really like commune with them and get to know who they are. You, you you understand that they value everything through that dollar sign. Exactly, and it's it's not because of you know they woke up that way. That's because of what society. That's how we're socialized. Is. Right, right. That is exactly how we're socialized. So we try to to add some value to that conversation by saying, hey, I get it. You're you're kind of stuck out. Debt is a situation that's very real. Um, uh, I don't exactly know yet, you know, what your background is, what you bring to the table. But we start there. You know, we don't really care what your background was. I think. One of the testaments of people who feel like they, they belong when they come into our organization is that uh, we don't judge people based on who they exactly. came in. Right. It's mostly about what are your goals, what are your dreams, what do you what do you see, like you mentioned earlier, a question we ask uh, our young people when they start off is, what is the best version of yourself? What is the best version of yourself? And how, and how can we get you there? Right. And that's the question that we ask ourselves all the time, right? right? What is the best version of yourself? I remember asking myself, you know, asking myself, what's my revolution? And what does the best version of myself look like? Because I've been in that space. I know what the worst version of myself looks like. We all do. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and my worst may not be somebody else's worst. Right. But I know what it is for me. Right. But to be able to ask that question and for have people to critically think about what is the best version and how can I use the resources, right, tools, strategies, counseling, you know, education from Liberty, Liberty's Kitchen to find the best version of myself. And you nailed it with the critical thinking piece. I mean, a lot of our young people don't, I mean, they don't have really opportunities to, to exercise that muscle, right? You know, for a lot of us, critical thinking, you think it's just something that comes naturally. But if if you're in a, in a lifestyle where, you know, the, the system of life around you is kind of more controlled than it is for other people, and critical thinking doesn't really come into play. Right. It's, it's a survival mechanism. It's a survival. It becomes, I have to do this, to do this, to do this. And there's no real space to weigh options. Uh, there's no real freedom to fail, which is also a big component of the critical thinking process. Like, for you and I, you know, we can make a we can make an educated decision or we can try to make a best guess to try to get to the best version of ourselves. And if it doesn't work out or if we, you know, quote, unquote, fail in that process, uh, we have a support system that helps us exactly. stay get back exactly. on Exactly. The young people we deal with, they, they don't have that, you know. They don't have that opportunity. They don't have the option. For them, failure can be life life or death. Life or death. You so, know, the so ability, why try? Right. The ability to fail without consequences. Right. And many of our young students of color don't have that opportunity. Their failures will land them, like you said, uh, in, in jail. In jail. In the grave. In the grave. You know, at least, at least case scenario, out on the streets. Right. You know, and, and struggling more than they need to. You know, there's a uh, young brother man, um, Nehemiah, who I work with out in St. Rock. And it's interesting. When you give us a chance, right, when you give us a chance and listening to his story, because I would never would have known. He's a, he's a coach at one of the schools now. Mm-hmm. And this brother told his story. He's like, I've been, in, I've been incarcerated. Right. I've been, but I got a chance. He's like, I should not be where I am right now mm-hmm. if someone hadn't given me a chance. Right. And that's what Liberty's Kitchen does. Exactly. It gives people a chance to see 
the best version of themselves. Give it to you know what I'm saying? That's it. And and that's what he said. Being able to be in the situation that he is now, being able to impact children's lives, allowed for him to see the best version of himself. I know when I walk into Liberty's Kitchen, right? And I've walked in there over the years. Mm -hmm. There are people working. They love that piece, right? Mm -hmm. A piece of the pie that they're giving to the customer. How can I help you, right? Mm -hmm. What I also saw when I walk in there is that the, the tutelage is there as well, mm-hmm. right? This is how you do it a little bit better, right? Right. And the receptiveness, right? But that comes from great leadership. Right. It comes from great leadership. So I'm going to pull back a little bit mm-hmm. because I know my people want to know who is Dennis Bagneris and how <laughs> how did you ascend? Because there's a story behind that, right? Yeah. We've been talking yeah. about that story for a little while. Yeah, yeah, you and I. Yeah, have been. you know. So tell us a little bit, who is Dennis Bagneris? Oh, man, I was, you know, trying to find myself for quite a while, too. I mean, like anybody else in the city of New Orleans. Um, I, am, I am a Bagnara, so, you know, a lot of times people just automatically mm. assert that to, you know, right. a personal privilege. and uh, That's a New Orleans name. Yeah, and didn't have to struggle for much and kind of probably had everything handed to them. And, you know, they're not, they're not, they're not completely wrong in that. You know, I, I was blessed to have an incredibly strong supportive network growing up uh as i mentioned earlier you know from from my grandmothers all the way to my parents to my family we've always been taught you know the strength in numbers and we support one another um but everybody loses their way you know like you said everybody mm-hmm. knows the, the 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 ugliest side of themselves and unfortunately it, it seems to be a place where we put a little bit too much investment i feel like as a, as human beings like uh you know when you do something wrong it's like it's, it's so much more taxing even on yourself personally through through guilt and, and how you have to come back from it and there's not enough there never seems to be enough emphasis on the positives, right? The right. positive struggle. Um, so for me, as I as I kind of come through my own life and, and have evolved, uh, now you know, married, father of four, strong wow, boys. I didn't know that. Yeah, married. Uh, I did know that because we talked about you having a squad. Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I do. Four boys, four boys strong. Um, uh, you know, and it's, it just think about the the revolution of myself and how I've was on this self-destructive path for so long because, you know, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do and where I was. And then again, as I flash back to now, I'm like, I'm thinking, damn, I had a support system. Right. Know, I had parents there. Mm. Still Tell the story. Tell the story. But all too often, you know, we always talk about New Orleans as a tale of two cities, right? It's a place of extreme opportunity, but it's also a place that has some very dark corners. And right. Can pull you into, you know, a very crooked lifestyle if, if you don't have the right person mm. there to guide you through it. So, for me, I've I've kind of made my mission knowing that you know, I have gone down some dark paths myself, but I've I've had the the benefit of having people to be there for me. What is it like for those people that don't have it? Exactly, right. exactly. You listen to the What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Crawford. My esteemed guest beside me is the, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna put the behind it. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, I'll interview people that I like, <laughs> and that's my man right there, the Dennis McNairis, Executive Director of Liberty's Kitchen. Telling his story, man. Let me ask you this question, Dennis. Yes, sir. Um, you talk about some dark places, you know, can you, can you tell us a little bit what those dark places look like? I mean, there's always, uh, people who, you know, want to pull you from education, pull you from a positive life, pull you from professionalism, uh, drugs and alcohol are rampant in the city that, you know, is, is cornerstone and celebration. And right. Tourism, right. So it's like, uh, these things are apparent. These things are available. You know, even in the best, uh, best of circles, you could be introduced to some of the, some of the most negative, uh, negative things so uh without real strength and mentorship and and you know like i said i had those things but still it's it's just so so prevalent and so easy to get get into right you really have to take an extra concerted effort to kind of get out in front of it for this next generation to make sure that they don't get involved in it. i mean as a parent now i'm like really on my kids like yeah no doubt media, like where they are and what they're doing because right. i know you know the the darker city on the side of, of what new orleans has to offer but i also want to make sure that they they have full opportunity to take advantage of uh, the positive and, and the shining parts of the city that make it great. Because, you know, born and raised, I've, I've I've lived in other places in the country and I've traveled all over this country, and there's no place to me like New Orleans. So Nothing. I, I love it. It's Nothing. No. You know, uh, we've we've been dealing with uh, global warming. <laughs> <laughs> sweaty, <laughs> sweaty October. You know what I'm saying? It's been a long, hot summer, man. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's been a long, but that long, hot summer, you know, uh, we think is the, as I say, the discomfort. Yes. Right. And New Orleans is uncomfortable. For be. a lot of people. And the heat of the summer is somewhat a metaphor right. for the struggles that our people in New Orleans can go through right. for lengthy periods of time. But somehow, some way, right, we, we endure, right, we endure right. 
we endure and then we find our way to a rebirth. Right. Right. November comes and all of a sudden New Orleans is the city that we remember. Right. That we love. It also happens when people come into Liberty's Kitchen. Right. right. They've endured hardship. Right. Exactly. They've endured struggle. Right. right. They may have endured incarceration. They may have endured the lack of support, dear brother. Right. right. Liberty's Kitchen is that opportunity for awakening. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a creative uh there's a creative passion there, and there's, there's a love that resonates from the center of the work that we do. Uh, you use rebirth, what, what I tend to use in, in my own personal description about the work that we do here is, is I say, a renaissance. Mm-hmm. You know, because for me, yeah. there's a lot of art and creativity. It's like, you know, in history, when we approached the dark ages and, you know, where we were, where there seemed to be nothing left and we had hit rock bottom. But I saw the most creative minds stepped up, and it was, you know, interesting things happening in math and art and literature, music and writing and all these incredible things. And I think. That in lieu of things, you know, you could talk as big as you want as the, the you know, current presidency to the, the economic structure of how things are kind of um, um, existing uh, through inequitable stages for blacks and whites in the city of New Orleans. Uh, I think that there are a lot of people taking notice of that. There are a lot of organizations and programs who are kind of rising up. And we're kind of evolving into creating this new space for our young people of color to create this next level or this, this renaissance that's about right. to take place in the city of New Orleans. Right. You say that. And I, I want to unpack that a little bit more because I think, I think about, you know, this opportunity. You know, Lauren Darnell and what mm-hmm. she's got going over uh, at uh, Mino now. Right. Uh, and um, I think about the great work that she's doing. We're on a couple boards together. So shout out to her. I know she has a fundraiser going on tomorrow. So check out. Um, you know, it's uh, I can't remember the ad, the acronym um, Made in New Orleans. Right. That's what it is. Made in New Orleans. Shout out to her, the great work that they're doing over there to really, uh, you know, bring out this culinary aspect. Mm-hmm. But I think about, you know, you know, if I think about the big restaurant tours or the big chefs, right, in the city, I think about John Bass. I think about Shoes and Spicer, right? Mm-hmm. How could I, if I wanted to be that person, right, walk through Liberty's Kitchen and get that dream? To be that next, that next big name in culinary, you know, in the culinary movement here in New Orleans. I think a lot of it is humbling yourself, you know, to begin with. We have a lot of young people who come with talent, and, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, things like the media and uh, TV shows and cable shows, you know, m- make the the chef lifestyle look a bit more like a rock star lifestyle. Tell the story, than brother. It actually, is. right. And and what we need to do is we come in and we we, pra- we put it in very practical terms that. You know, for every every John Bash, Emma Lagasse, Susan Spicer, you know, there there are uh, ten or nine other chefs that wanted to be that and didn't want to go through the same steps those individuals took to get there. Um, and there are a lot of master chefs. I mean, we, we talk about um, the Chase family. You know, Leah Chase. Yes, no doubt. Right. And she, and you, you speak with her, and she's one of the most humble women Man, is you she? ever meet in your life. And she is, she is a bible of knowledge when it comes to tell the story, culture, right? The history of New Orleans and. Um, it's those kind of cats. Like uh, I think, like back to the, you know the late John Scott, you know, who was an art professor and a mentor of mine growing up in, in Xavier University. And you know, you went to this cafe art classes, right? But he taught you about African American history and inequity and, and uh, Jim Crow and all these things that empowered you and impassioned you and gave you a reason to to want to drive and strive more than just about money and more than just about fame. Right? right. So for a lot of our young people, it becomes less about, you know, the introduction is, yeah, I want this incredible lifestyle that's going to afford me a new car and a new apartment and I want to be it's a rock star it. chef. Exactly. And then when we get them in, it's like, but what do you really want? Like, what is the, what is the real you? What, do, what is your real interest to be? Is it around cooking or do you work, work with your hands around being with people? Uh, what, is, what does it become? We begin to unpack it right. on those levels. Going all the way back to the foundation what is the best version of yourself? Absolutely. Look like, and we we have ma- we have made right. We have made that idea of the chef, right? Look, like you said, it looks grand, right. right? You see the cooking shows, you see all these different people. Uh, shout out to my man Howard Conyers, right? Exactly. Yeah, good yes, brother. Who yes. who humble? You want to talk about humility, right? Right, but who has made his way? You know, whole whole barbecuing, right? right. But has also brought in the history of the South. Yes. You know, and is really give reverence and deference to those other chefs like Leah Chase. Exactly. Right, the great Leah Chase. But it's really interesting in knowing, and the brother who's going to come in at, uh, after the B-side to talk with us, really says that we really have to understand each aspect of the house, right? right. You know, because oftentimes we will, as he's going to tell us, we will master one piece and say, you know what, I can go on and be John Bass. I can go on and be Leah Chase. Right. Well, no. No, <laughs> right? right. That's not that's not it. And so, you know, finding that. 
let me let me ask you this question. I want everybody to know. I'm talking to the Dennis Bicknaris, uh, Executive Director of Liberty's Kitchen, a wonderful organization here in the city that is working with our youth to make sure that they have the skills to go out and be the best version of themselves. But you're a role model, Dennis. You know, you know, you kind of look like Charles Barkley a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to work on that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I look like I ate Charles. Barkley. <laughs> but again, that's, that's that's the downside, the dark side of the restaurant industry. <laughs> uh, but the thing about it is, you know, when you talk around town, who are the role models? Who are the people in positions? They're talking about you, right? You're a role model for our young men, right? And I know you're a role model for both your sons and young women. But for our young men, right? When you see yourself as a role model. What do you have to do to make sure every day that our young men get to see a healthy version of you, right? That's what that, that because that that comes a part of being a role model. You're showing that. What do you do to really show the world that I'm working to be healthy? And what does that healthiest version look like for you? Well, for me, I think it's a lot of uh, transparency. I, I try to lead. Uh, through through lack of ownership, I think that's a big part of it. I think nowadays people misconstrue this idea of leadership, meaning I have to take charge and I have to be in control of everything, right? When that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the greatest leaders rely heavily on their teams, and they're really open and they they they, they know how to take constructive criticism. Uh, sensitivity is a big part of that. Honesty is a huge part of it. And you know, I'm just going to throw it out there. I think love has got to be at the center of all of this work. I mean, uh, you people will. Will, will rise for you and rise with you um, every day that they come into that office space if they feel like they're valued, they're appreciated, their love for the work that they put in because it's hard. Mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't care what the what the name is on the door, what the building is. If you're showing up for any type of nine to five, it's hard. Um, and if people really really want to come back and, and put their best foot forward and be involved in that process, then they need to feel valued right. in that space. And for me, that's where leadership begins. Mm, tell the story A- exactly. Valued, value. Right. What's my value? Am I valued? Right. Right. And so let's let's break that down for a second. What's my value? And is that can can I bring my value to the table? Right. right? We spend a lot of time talking about equity, diversity, and inclusion, yeah. and being able to bring your value to the table is one thing, mm-hmm. but p- to be valued is the second part of that. Right. A big part. Yeah. Exactly. A huge part of that. Do I feel when I walk into Liberty's kitchen, no matter where I've been? No matter where I have been, I am valued. I am loved, right? Right. And that begins, as you said, with leadership at the top, right? right? I spend a lot of time working with leaders for, for getting them to understand just those two things, right? Mm-hmm. Do you value the people and do you see their value, right? right? Do you see their value and what they're bringing to the That's tremendous leadership. But the second side of that is how are you? Showing up every day, because like you said, we have we all of us are struggling with something, right? How do you find and embrace the healthiest version of yourself? Self care is important, you know. Diet, exercise. Um, for me, I, I think not getting lost in in the work is important. Uh, reminding myself that we're here for these young people. So what, what does that mean, right? All my efforts can be to to create a space to make sure that Libra's Kitchen is thriving and surviving. But if I'm not sitting down every day breaking bread with these young people and really finding out what their stories are and, and mm-hmm. hearing how uh, the work that we're doing from them and in conversations from them, from their words, right, from their hearts, and I can see in their eyes that it's making an impact, that's that's the best self, self-help I can I can ask for, you know. I'm I'm down for this grind. My team is <laughs> down for this grind all day long because, you know, we know it's important. And right. We understand it's important for the city. But like I said, it could be a beating if you don't really take the time to listen to these young people come back and tell you, you know, thank you, you, you guys changed my life, or thank you, you gave me a space where I felt like I could really be free and be honest about who I was. But most importantly, I, I you know, I wasn't judged on my failures here. I was more commended for my attributes and what I brought to the table. And that's something that unfortunately a lot of our, you know, our young families of color and our young people of color don't get to don't get to feel, don't get to hear. Even in their own social structure, right. unfortunately, because everything's been kind of dumbed down to business, right? If you don't, if you don't bring in that economic value, then what are you to me? You know, in different households and different areas. And for us, it's really about, hey, you know what? You showed up today. You got out of bed. You got on maybe three buses. You woke up at the crack of dawn, but you got here and you came here. And for us, right there, that's worth the embrace. That's worth the love. That's right. worth the commitment for the rest of the day for you. Yeah, you just showed up. So yeah, we owe you the rest. And and that's the thing, showing up, showing up. And and what I heard. That part of your self-care is just the interaction. Absolutely. Right. It's just the interaction. And community, we, we, we often we don't talk about that enough. 
How big is the place where we go to on a regular basis? Do we see that as community? And that's huge for us, particularly as men, because we will shy away from that. I don't, you know no, what I'm saying? Absolutely. Right? Community is not what I need. I, I, I need peaceful. I need alone time. Right. Community, right? But we find ourselves, right? right. Wanting, wa- wanting that embrace, wanting that love, wanting that constant, well, I was not constant, but wanting that communication, right? Just to be able to sit down and break bread. Right. Right? Laugh. Right. Laughter is, <laughs> is crazy. But to be able to just sit down and be yourself, to be vulnerable and laugh is probably one of the most <laughs> quintessential, essential, simplest things that you can get. There you go. You can get. Yeah. I mean, to be, a, look, to be able to laugh, and I'm sure that you laugh with your wife, you laugh with your sons, and I, I find that, you know, if I'm not laughing, something's wrong. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly right. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, that, that something, something's wrong if I'm not laughing, and I try to find ways to laugh every day. No, and it can be hard for some of our young people to yeah. find that moment. But yeah, right. We gotta find it. Exactly. Look, stay with us. I've been talking to uh, again. I'm gonna call. I'm gonna say the the Dennis McNairis, executive director of Liberty's Kitchen. We've just been chopping it up about his life story, why it's important to be a leader here in New Orleans and across the country, why it's important to have spaces for our youth to be able to walk in and say, you know what, I'm gonna help you be the best version of themselves. On the B side, I got my man Antoine Brinson, Executive Director of Culinary Concepts AB in Charlottesville. He's going to talk to us about his story, what's going on in Charlottesville right now, and how to be the best version of ourselves. We'll see you on the other side, everybody. Peace. Welcome back to the What's the Revolution show with Dr. Charles Cooper, man. I've just sat with, you know, my man, Dennis Begnaris, man, the Dennis Begnaris, and just had a very endearing conversation about leadership, about manhood, uh, about being, you know, an executive director of an organization that is helping our youth here in New Orleans. But I want to continue this conversation uh, about what it means uh, to be a leader and activist. And... You know, we think about the cities around the country that have been dealing with things where we need to have men on the ground. We think about Philadelphia, right? Right. We think about New Orleans. Mm -hmm. We hadn't thought about this city for a long time. But then August 11th happened, 2017, and we began to think about Charlottesville, right? right? And it, 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 it burned images into ours, us, into our psyche of of men carrying tiki choices saying that you will not replace us, right? right? You will not replace us. And burned into the American psyche, you get to see how do we push back against this, right? What do we have to do? And so I get the opportunity to talk to this good brother who is working, you know, around equity issues, particularly from a culinary aspect, uh, Antoine Brinson. Uh, how you doing, brother? I'm good. I'm good. It's Very good. good. Yeah, man. Thank you for joining the show with me, man. And we've got good brother Dennis Begnaris, who's also the executive director of Liberty's Kitchen here with us. And we're just going to chop it up for a couple minutes, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Dennis, it's good to, uh, it's good to hear your voice again, man. Good to hear you as well. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to uh, be on the show with you today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So, Antoine, you know, I, I told you when we talked last week, I was going to ask you this question, brother. What's your revolution? What's my revolution? For people to, you know, start focusing more on the solution and, and less on the problem. That's simple. That's simple. You know, Antoine, you know, I got that pause for a second because sometimes people will give me a dissertation, a soliloquy, <laughs> and when I get those very simple but eloquent and profound answers, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that's real. That's yeah, real. that's real. That 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 is that is definitely real, right? To focus on the solution and not on the problem. So, look, brother, you're on the ground. You're in Charlottesville. Post, we're a year. You know, we're 14 months out now. What is Charlottesville like now? Post that incident, and what's going on? I would definitely say um, it was uh, an eye opener. You know, um, I'm not from Charlottesville, uh, but you know, being here. And experiencing the divide 
it's it's interesting because you know I have a different lens. You know, people that are natives to Charlottesville, they uh, you know they've experienced this for years, and it, and it's been a topic that it's kind of been swept under the rug. You know, people just say that's how it is, and that's mm-hmm. that's how it was viewed for a very long time. And and after August 11, it, it kind of like peeled the lid back, and 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 it it gave people an opportunity to either you know continue to ignore or address. And I would definitely say, not just in the black community, but just in the community in general, it's been a discussion, uh, a discussion that's been needed for a very long time. And you see a lot of people stepping up, you know, with ideas on how to progressively uh, move the community forward and work together to to really uh, tackle these issues versus covering them up. Yeah, and, and and that's a great thing. And one thing that you said, is, look, the face got ripped off of Charlottesville, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, you know, hundreds of years, the face literally got ripped off of Charlottesville and exposed. And and too often we hear this in cities, in southern cities. Mm-hmm. This is how it's always been, right? right? You think about New Orleans, right? Mm-hmm. Right, pre-Katrina, mm-hmm. right? That same notion. Well, this is how it's always been. Yeah, it's wrapped up in conversations of uh, tradition or culture. Right. Like it's enriched yeah. or something. Right, right. It's it, ugly it, and it's awful. And it, it needs to exactly. Be brought but to light. Katrina ripped it off. That incident in Charlotte right. ripped it off. And now the social justice warriors have been able to come out and say, hey, we see you. <laughs> mm-hmm. We see That's you, it. right? And these inequities that we've been experiencing for so long are just not right. Because at the end of the day, Antoine and Dennis, we just want to have a seat at the table and a voice at the table and a decision at the table, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We just don't want to be sitting in the room. No. No. Right. We've been sitting in the room too long, right? We want to – look, we want a decision, right? And we're going to fight for it. Well, I think, too, that plays in part where you mentioned uh, the comment about the difference between leadership and advocacy, right? A leadership is somebody who – who's coaching a team and has to weather through standards and structures, but is not really a change maker, say, per se. Uh, advocacy, is, I think, is when you kind of cross that line and when you say, hey, as a leader, I'm identifying these things that are unjust or unright or unproportioned or inequitable, and this is the next step. Right. And, and how do I find others like me to be able to join me in this, as you put, revolution to be able to make that change? And I think that's where the difference kind of rises between yeah. advocacy and leadership. No doubt, no doubt. And then think about it. I'm glad you, 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 you know, I might need to bring you back in, brother. Anytime. You know Anytime. what I'm saying? I'm gonna <laughs> I'll co-host. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you just set this question up for Antoine, right? Because he just talked about this advocacy aspect. And one of the reasons why I was so excited to have you on the show, Antoine, was the conversation that we had last week about how we have to move, right? We have to move our mindset, right? And so tell us a, a little bit about what you're doing in Charlottesville and how we, how you're moving the mindset of, of people of color to really make change for themselves in Charlottesville. Absolutely. I mean, like when I moved here, um, one of the things that I noticed right off the bat was, you know, um, downtown Charlottesville, you don't really have – that many brothers and sisters working in the restaurants. That was the first thing right off the bat. Uh, you go into the kitchens, and, and, and once you start talking to a lot of people, um, you, you quickly find that a lot of them feel like they don't belong. You know, mm-hmm. downtown isn't for me, and, and that's a that's a separate conversation uh, as far as you know how this has affected. You know how over the history the people of Charlottesville have um, kind of been ripped out of their homes. And, and, and from the downtown area and, and been uh, displaced into different areas. Um, what I was doing was I would, I would just send out applications. I would put up my ad on, online, and I would, uh, you know, look for workers for my, for my restaurant. And on average, I would get between 30 to 40 people applying. And what I quickly started to see was a lot of these people needed jobs. They wanted to work in restaurants, but they necessarily didn't want um, they necessarily didn't have the skills that I needed to fulfill the position, so I couldn't hire them. And after really digging into it and really kind of studying the resumes and talking to different people, I really I quickly started to see that a lot of these individuals, you know, had never been given direction. They've That's been kind it. of looked over. A right. lot of these people, you know, they were working restaurants for five, maybe ten years, but they necessarily uh, they didn't understand the value of investing in a property and moving up the line. They thought, oh, I know this. I learned how to work pantry station. I'm going to go to this next restaurant for 50 cents on a dollar more. And they just keep hopping around. Five years later, 
you realize that, you know, I've been doing this for this long and I want to move up. And uh, you never really took the time to invest in learning the way of the kitchen and learning different stations and, and really mastering, you know, you know uh, the people skills you need to be able to move up the chain so they never move up. So uh, what, I, what, I, what I came to the conclusion was there needs to be some type of workforce development program. Uh, and after kind of doing my homework and looking around, you know, I, I came back to, to the fact that there's nothing in Charlottesville like that. There's no workforce development programs that help people move up. You have a lot of people that don't have the mindset to go to college. You know, they, they have families, and they just need to work right now. They don't have two years to dedicate to a college education. They need a job. They need training today. Um, so after doing my homework and doing research, I, I discovered organizations like Liberty's Kitchen, like D.C. Central Kitchen, like Fair Start in Seattle, um, that, you know, have these programs, these uh, workforce development programs to help people progressively move forward and learn a trade and to get in the industry and to be able to align themselves to make money. So what I did was I really looked at the need in the community, and what I found was they needed three things. They needed to understand what hospitality meant. You're working in hospitality when you're working in culinary arts, and, and, and a lot of people didn't really grasp that concept. They needed life skills. The life skills in the kitchen are the same skills that everybody needs in everyday life. What is integrity? What is unity? You know, what does it mean to work on a team? How do you communicate, right? These are basic skills that you think that most people, their parents instilling them that I found in this community that a lot of people lack. Uh, and, and in the restaurant, those things are important. And, of course, it's the technical skill aspect. You know, people just didn't have the technical skill understanding. You know, they thought because I know how to make the salad over at this restaurant is universal, I can go anywhere and do that. They didn't understand foundationally what you need to be able to grow. So I developed a program that focuses on those three key aspects. And the bread and butter of everything that I do is a life skills piece. The life skills piece really connects the dots to help people understand the difference between a job and a career in culinary arts. Agreed. That's and and that's the that's the thing that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. When you're finding the best version of yourself, as, as Dennis and I spent you know eloquently talking about the first segment of the show, is that the difference between a job and a career, right? When you're in a ca- when you're in a career, you're thinking about how does this bring me joy? How can I bring my value? And what is my best value, mm-hmm. right? Right. What is right. my best value that I can offer this organization? And then you feel empowered. Right. And so what I heard from you, Antoine, is that people have been spending X amount of time in jobs, but they did. It was it's a job. It wasn't a career. And then I can move up and make more because we're just thinking about how do I get by? How can I advance just a little bit more? Instead right. of saying, what are the tools and skills and strategies that I need to fulfill a career that will allow me to make even a more exorbitant amount of money to be able to provide for my family, whatever that looks like, to be able to take the trips, to be able to expand my mind so I can then come back and even expound more about my career. So it's very interesting. So what type of people are coming so, – so before I even say that, so you began this culinary school or what? Everybody's calling it a school. You know, I like to call it a, a life transformation program. There you go. <laughs> That's why I said or what exactly. <laughs> and so um, what are the who, – who's coming now, right? And, you know, what growth have you seen since the, since the, the, the school started? You know, I, I like to go back to my first cohort. You know, um, you know, it was interesting um, the type of people that this attracted. You know, I had everybody from a guy that was homeless in the program mm-hmm. to a kid that was in uh, UVA. He had a, he was uh, doing his uh, masters, and he decided, you know, anthropology wasn't what he wanted to do. He wanted to cook. Um, so it was like a, a wide spectrum of individuals. And uh, you know, I would I would say. I even had a young lady in the class that came to me. She was like, I love cooking. I cook at home all the time. I got three kids. She had just gave birth to her second kid, I mean, a third kid, um, wow. two months before joining the program. Um, and she did the program. Uh, I was able to help her find employment. And, uh, you know, you fast forward to today. Right now, her trajectory has completely changed. She's doing an entrepreneurship program to have a, uh, a catering business here in Charlottesville. Wow. So you're and, making you know, transformation. And, and she, we still keep in contact. After they finish the program, it's, it's a mentorship. You know, I continue to help develop them. I help continue to encourage them. I mean, heck, I went and helped her set up her first event. There you go. <laughs> sure she was right. Exactly. Uh, 
but it's, it's the mentorship, and I think that's the piece that a lot of people are missing, you know. Anybody can teach you how to cook. Anybody can put you through a program, but they're going to help you navigate after you get through yeah, exactly. to be able to continue on this path to re- achieve your goals. Right, exactly. And so speaking to this, you know, the show is about men, and particularly men of color. What have you seen, you know, from the brothers who have come through your program? How have they taken it? taken the the knowledge and then being able to go out in the Charlottesville community and be able to make change. I feel like I feel like you have a lot of brothers in the community that have a lot of pride and they struggle stepping back from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if you think about the black males in, in, in our community, you know, uh, we we tend to, you know, kind of we, we talk junk to each other and we, and we tease each other and, you know, we say things to each other in a joking manner that affects us in many different ways. But we have so much pride that we don't even say anything. You know, we kind of brush it off. And when it comes to making a, a taking a leap like this and doing a program like this, I find that after they finish the program and they and they go back to the community, uh, they struggle to find a circle of influence that's going to help propel them and and keep them on the direction to you know that they they started in the class. Right. Um, what I try to do with, especially with black males that go through this program, is to help them get into a network of individuals that are in culinary or in hospitality and help them find, form their own circle, to find their own tribe. Their master, their so own mastermind. Outside, absolutely. So outside of the community, you know, they still have people that they can relate to that can help keep pushing them to achieve their goals. There you go. There you go. Dennis, speak to this. How, how are you all helping our young men once they go through the program at Liberty's Kitchen? We try to create uh, opportunities for leadership through both of our alumni and our youth leadership council. Uh, mentorship is an incredibly big part of what we do as well. I think um, we've kind of evolved. At one point we thought uh, as adults, you know, we need, to, we need to plug them in with other adults. But what we're actually finding is that there's a much more positive communion when they're, when they're actually around positive peers and positive mm-hmm. examples of themselves, too. So what we try to do is make sure that there's a lot of social opportunity for our young people uh, in positive environments. We, we're very blessed to have a very large space, very communal space, where we can invite our young people back to participate in things like game night, movie night, presentations. Gotcha. Right. Um, we have guest speaking opportunities. You know, we have. Uh, oh, you do? Yeah, yeah, we have. We oh, have. you do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? You were on that list. Oh, there we go. Let me, let me catch myself. <laughs> but we have we have guest speaking opportunities. We have we have uh, uh, brothers from the community who are very well off. Uh, uh, important in, that, in networking opportunities as well. To to again to your point, Tuan, uh, let them know that you know black men understand the importance of community. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, at times, if if they're if their uh, access to community is negative, then that's what they gravitate to. Right. But the importance to be around mm, others to support them is there, is necessary, unfortunately. And I talk about a lot of our young young brothers do come through some, some gangs, you know, have been through some gangs in the city. And they'll tell you it's just because nobody else was looking at my back or watching my back. Right. So I had to go with who was going to do that for me. So if we could put them in the environment, which we do strive to put other young people in environments where collectively are more young brothers who are able to talk each other up on either education, professional pursuits, uh, positive relationships, then why not take every opportunity to mentor and uh, make sure those relationships take shape? So that's kind of what we do in our space. Right. We make sure to get those positive influences and, and positive young brothers together because they need to be the example for the next group that's coming exactly. behind them. Exactly. They're not going to listen to me. Like you said, I look like, <laughs> I look like Charles Barkley over here. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Man, but. Look, look, this brother got that salt and pepper, you know what I'm saying? It's full, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know, it, I just love hearing the stories that you all are talking about. I just want to make sure everybody knows that you listen to the What's Your Revolution show with the, the Dennis Bagneris from uh, Liberty's Kitchen, where he is the executive director, and my man Antoine Brinson, who is also the executive director of Culinary Concepts AB in Charlottesville, both doing very, very similar things, empowering our people in our communities to make sure that they have the skills, right, and strategies and tools and community, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. to go out and be successful in their endeavors. So, Antoine, let me ask you a couple of questions because we are uh, running out of time. Um, what has this done for you personally? Right, you were a restaurateur. You had a business, very successful business. You decided that the next iteration of your revolution was to start the school, to start the institute. What has this done for you personally? You know, I feel like it's it, it's uh, it's bigger than me. Um, I feel like I'm fulfilling a purpose in life. You know, I've, I've spent my entire career building teams, training people all around the world, and uh, 
to be able to pull that knowledge out of the kitchen and help people in my community, uh, it, it really, um, it's uplifting, you know, and to be able to see them achieve a level that they wouldn't be able to achieve without something like this, you know, it, it, it propels me to, to want to do more and impact in a bigger way. Uh, and it, and it, it just it just adds fuel to my fire to keep me keep me going to to want to help more people in the community. Right, no doubt, no doubt, and that's that's what I see with all the work and the men like uh, the two of, two of you all who find that fire, who find that passion, who are giving out of yourselves, right? And that's what we need: great leaders, as you say, you give out of yourself uh, to make sure that the people coming behind you all are doing better work, right? Right. The young brothers always. I want to be like you. Like, nah, bro. I need you, you to be better. better. Exactly. Right. Right. I, all right. I right. need you to be better. Uh, be better than what we're doing. Because if you're better than me, right? And y'all are good, right? No, no, no. Take that back. Y'all are amazing <laughs> at what you do, right? So if you're better than the two of you all, think about the lineage that you're you're founding, right? Of amazing young people who have the ability to be amazing adults. Right. right. Amazing leaders, amazing culinary designers, restaurateurs, whatever they want to be. Right. And think about what our communities are doing. We need more brothers like you. I always say in programs like ours and, you know, agree, agree with me if you, if you feel torn mm-hmm. because of the young I'm, people not getting the opportunities. I mean, we're sitting on the next Oprah Winfrey, or Barack oh, Obama and some of our programs. And if, you know, they're not recognized for their talents or not given that opportunity, we, it's on us. If we missed those opportunities because we didn't nurture it when it should have been nurtured and we didn't we didn't support it when it needed to be supported. Right. Antoine? Absolutely, man. Two thousand percent agree with you, man. I mean, I always tell people this, you know, I didn't come from a glamorous neighborhood, you know, I didn't come from a glamorous background. And if somebody didn't give me the opportunity and give me the hand up, I wouldn't have been able to travel the world and do the things that I've been able to do in my career. So it's almost, you know, I feel like it, it, I have to do this, you know. I, I need to give back, you know. It, it, it's, it, it was given to me, so I have to pass that legacy on to other brothers and sisters to be able to have that same opportunity. Yeah, no doubt. And so I'm going to give you the last word, dear brother. Um, how do you find and embrace the healthiest version of yourself? I find that really knowing yourself, knowing what you're good at, knowing what you're not good at, understanding, you know, your connection with your family, understanding, you know, the importance of the people in your life, and understanding your role uh, for the people that you are impacting is extremely important for you to be able to um, to reach your best self. Because the more connected you are with your inner self, the better you can help other people and help them find their own self. Exactly, exactly. And that's, that's the question that we ask with What's Your Revolution? What are you doing personally? right to transform yourself so those around you can see that i can do it too that i can figure out what my revolution is going to be and then do it because these brothers that are around me said they could and they are actually showing me how to do it antoine i appreciate the time dear brother how can people get in touch with you if they want to find out more about culinary concepts ab absolutely uh please visit the website it's antoinebrenton.net or check me out on Facebook, Instagram. It's uh, Antoine Brinson. I'm sorry, it's uh, Culinary Concept underscore AB. Gotcha, gotcha. Dennis, how can they how can they find you, brother? Please look us up at www.libertyskitchen.org. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, you can and you can hear the smooth melodic sounds <laughs> if you go in. Pump it up because Liberty's Kitchen is open from what time to what time? We open Monday through Friday from seven to two p.m. Seven to two p.m. and they got some amazing food. And uh, Antoine and brother, you need to get Whole Foods on your side because they, look, the, the Whole Foods is where big it's supporter. at with them. They're a big supporter of Liberty's oh. Kitchen. Go ahead. Also, I just want to mention real quick, we're also about to re, uh, relaunch our catering menu for everybody who's planning holiday options and opportunities. I <laughs> uh, just want to make sure I get on that. I'd be remiss because my team has put a lot of energy in the last couple of weeks on trying to get a brand new catering menu out. So please check out the website and please keep us in mind for all your catering for your holiday needs. There you go. Antoine, we'll be in touch, dear brother. I got a couple uh, uh, good, good, some good information to tell you about the things that we've been talking about. So definitely Beautiful. be in touch, man. I appreciate everything. Look, I just want to give a shout-out to this brother. Look, I reached out about the Charlottesville community. And, you know, sometimes brother will say, you know, I'll do this, and then you don't hear from him again. Mm-hmm. This brother held it down, right? So that's I appreciate Yeah, that's, that's good, good people. people. Uh, Antoine, I appreciate you so, so much, dear brother, and good luck with you the rest of the week. Thanks so much, man. Looking forward to catching up. Uh, Dennis, good hearing your voice, man. I'm going to shoot you an email. we got to catch Please up. Please do. we got to catch up, brother.
right, now. All right, y'all have a good night. Cool, cool. So I want to spend a couple minutes. Uh, we're going to change up the show format. I'll try something new. Me and my man Jazz behind the wheels of steels said, you know, we can spend the last couple minutes talking about just some things that are on my mind. And as we think about the next 20 days, we think about the next 20 days, the opportunities that we have as an American people to go out and exercise our right to do things that our ancestors have fought so hard to do. It is for us to go out and vote. And this is not a political show, and it, it has never been. But I think that in this opportunistic time, and we listen to Antoine Brinson, and we th- listen to Dennis Bagneris, and the things that they are doing for our youth around the country, and here in Charlottesville and New Orleans, what if those opportunities are taken away? What if the funding opportunities are taken away? What if the, the political fortitude and the advocacy for these programs are taken away, right? What happens to our youth? And we have to think that if we don't get out and vote, if we don't exercise our voice as people, think about what happens. Think about if we don't advocate the chaos that we may fall into because we don't have the opportunities to give our young people the ability to be amazing. Right. And Dennis can tell you, and I'm sure that Antoine can tell you, Antoine can tell you that when funding gets low, it gets harder to make sure that our children have the resources that they need to be successful. So I say in my closing minutes today that I ask you, no matter what you need to do, go out and vote, right? Go find, if you cannot figure it out, have figure out a way for them to bring it to you. There's a way for you to vote. And do not, do not let that opportunity be taken or stolen away from you because voter suppression is something that is real. It is something that is real, and it's something that is real in our communities across the country. We're seeing in Georgia, where Stacey Abrams could be the first mm-hmm. black female governor of any state in our country, how 53,000 votes are being on hold trying to suppress the vote. Get out. Get your people out to vote. Caravan. Bus. Hop in an Uber. Right? I will send you out, right, if need be, <laughs> to get that vote, right, to, to, get, to, get, that, to get that vote. To make sure that when the time comes, when the, when the time comes, our voice is heard. We appreciate you listening to the show each week. It means so much for all the people that support this show, not only live, but also listen to the show on SoundCloud. And now you can catch the show on iTunes. Go and subscribe. That's right. The What's Your Revolution show with Dr. Charles Corpru is on iTunes now. So make sure you subscribe, listen, and share share with your friends. We will see you next week, everybody. My guest is Brandon Anderson, the founder of Rahim AI. And trust me, you want to check in next week because his story is going to keep you captivated. We'll talk to you soon and always be able to answer the most thought-provoking question of your life. What's your revolution, everyone? Peace.